Love you, Pastor Dwayne. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Good. I've been here. This is my third or fourth time. I love you guys, man. Who's been at some of our times together before? Hallelujah. There's the there's your halls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. Totally. Good, good. Awesome, awesome. Well, we've had a blast in Snohomish. I, I like that name, man. It's a pretty powerful name. Um, I'm actually just so blessed. I, uh, I, um, for you guys who don't know, I come from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, where it's a ministry of worship and intercession. For the last 16 years, worship and intercession has just gone night and day before the throne of God. And uh, we believe God's going to fill the whole earth with day and night worship and intercession to uh, shift atmospheres over cities. It says in Revelation 12 that the accuser of the brethren stands day and night accusing the saints. God's one of, one of the purposes of day and night prayer is that God is breaking the power of day and night accusation with day and night agreement with who God is and with what God said he wants to do. It's about agreement. That's how the kingdom of God is released. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? And agreement releases the power. So uh, um, we, we're seeing it happen all over the earth. We've had a blast. Uh, we're going to actually get our last meeting tonight. So if you guys got any extra time and the Lord rocks you, it's about, a, about an hour away. But uh, um, we have had Jake Hamilton, who a great friend and worship leader. It's been a blast. Um, good. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and throw me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Father, we love you so much. And I, this was the phrase I, I love. Pastor Dwayne was saying, it's just good to be in the house of God this morning. I'm just feeling it right here in the middle of summer, and I just love, in the middle of all the swirl and the stuff like that, I'm just feeling just a gratitude. Thank you for the house of God. Thank you for friends. Thank you for camaraderie. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that I can come to a place and meet with you, God. And I'm just feeling gratitude. And he, he, you highlighted it about coming into the house and food and a banqueting table. And I'm just feeling in great gratitude for the house of God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you, and we ask you to release your anointing on your word. We ask you for a spirit of revelation to fill this room. We ask you just to touch our hearts right here in the middle of the summer, God. All the activity, all the stuff. God, I just pray that you would touch us in the name of Jesus. Touch us this morning. Give us something. Help me, Lord, to share and help us to hear and help us all together go somewhere in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm just so excited because I, I travel a lot. But it just seems like the Lord's lining up the itinerary. I'm coming into this region more than ever before. I was in Tacoma last weekend and here this weekend. And I'm just, God's got his eye on the Pacific Northwest. I just want to say that to you. And not just because I'm coming here, but I'm great to be in the vineyard with him, working with him. That's what's exciting is God saying, I'm working over here. Come work with me. And, and when I feel his eyes, I feel his heart. And I feel like there's movement in the Pacific Northwest. There's good things going on. So take great hope and faith. All right, did I tell you to turn to Psalm 91? All right, good. I want to read Psalm 91. I know this is a familiar chapter for many of us. But uh, I, I just want to read it. The Holy Spirit's been knocking the dust off this chapter. And has been releasing fresh light and life into my spirit. And I believe it's a very important chapter for us right now. Let's just read it. Do you have your Bibles? Is it up here on the screen? <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> Good. 
All right, I want you to pay specific attention to verses 1, 9, and 14. Verses 1, 9, and 14. I just love reading the Bible. He who dwells, everybody say dwells, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You Now here, look at these four things. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He says this, A thousand will fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, which is judgment. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. And then verse 9, here's another conditional uh, hinge verse. He says, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come into your dwelling. Hallelujah. Verse 11, get your seatbelt on. He shall give his angels, the ministry of angels, the ministry of angels. He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. As I'm reading this afresh, I'm like, God, angels carry me in certain seasons. Angels carry you to keep you from dashing your feet in such a way that will hinder your walk. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the throne. And the very feet, the very foot that is protected, he says, you shall trample, or you shall, he says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. Yes, the young lion and the serpent, the very feet that was, that was delivered, you shall trample underfoot here's another conditional verse 14 because he has set his love upon me this is the father speaking over the man or the woman or the child the person that will set their love on God this is what God will do for the person that sets their love on God get ready there's seven blessings number one number one it says that he shall deliver him Number two, I will set him on high, which is the spirit of revelation, because he has known my name. Number three, I'm going to answer his prayers. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. Number four, I will be with him in trouble. Number five, I will deliver him, and I will honor him. Number six, with long life, I will satisfy him. And number seven, I will show him my salvation. Who loves this chapter? You already feel washed. We could have an altar call right now. I am grateful to God for this chapter. I'll be honest with you. I, was, I slipped into this about a month ago. I was just reading Psalm the 90s and just enjoying just reading the Psalms. I'm loving the Psalms. And while reading, I just slipped into Psalm 91. And this has become an obsession over the last month. And I'm kind of pretty... OCD about things. So when I slip into the spirit of revelation, I just want to tell you right now, there is nothing more powerful than when the spirit of revelation comes upon you when you're reading the Bible. 
There is nothing more powerful than when words jump off these pages and begin to touch your inner man and your mind begins to think new thoughts. Your mind begins to think new thoughts about God and about you and about your circumstances and about your life. There is nothing more powerful than when words jump off these pages and begin to get on the inside of you like a holy virus. And and for the last month, I have been swimming in Psalm 91. And when I swim, there's nothing else going on. It's when I start marking it up to where I can't read it anymore. I don't even know what it says anymore. There's a, high, a few things that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to me while reading this. Number one, you can't help but read these verses and be undone with God's commitment of deliverance, protection, uh, defense, uh, His commitment to the people that give themselves to Him. God is a protector. He is a deliverer. He is a refuge. He is a, he is a fortress. He's a strong tower. Whew. I love the Proverbs 18. The the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. I have been undone that God is a protector. He is not like the, the changeable times and the winds that we live in, the winds of the economy, the winds of our lives, the ups and downs of our circumstances, that He is a rock from everlasting. He is an unchangeable rock. He is the dwelling place throughout all generations. He is the eternal God. He is the, it's what the Bible calls, He is the immutable God, which means He's unchangeable. You will always find God the same in every season. He never changes. He's always the same. He doesn't get into moods. He is a good God. So I've been undone with the nature of God as my refuge and my fortress. Number two, the Holy Spirit has put it upon me that I am to memorize Psalm 91. And he's been speaking to me saying, Corey, do you have enough Bible memorized right now that if you are in a prison or if the days come, God forbid, that this book is outlawed and you can't get your hands on this as easy as you can right now, that if you were without a Bible, you wouldn't skip a beat with me because you have so much Bible memorized on the inside of you. I have that question for you right now. Do you have enough Bible in you right now that if you didn't have a Bible, you wouldn't skip a beat? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have been undone in the call to memorize and to eat this. So he says, I don't want you having to read it. I want you to talk to me throughout your day. I want you praying this over your life, your family. I want you praying it over your city and over the nation. I want you praying it over the church, and I want you talking Psalm 91 to me all the time. That's what he's telling me. And number three, you can't help but read Psalm 91 and feel, because many of us, we know the protective nature of God in the middle of it, but if you take one half step back, you can't help but see the context in which Psalm 91 is written, and it's written in the midst of a great storm. It's written in the midst of great trial and tribulation and difficulties and when he talks about thousands falling at your side and ten thousand at your right hand he's talking about walking through plagues and being untouched in the midst of plagues he's talking about walking in the midst of the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence no evil touching you you are being delivered and being protected in the midst 
of great crisis. And while reading this, guys, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I have been so sobered afresh over the state of our nation, over the state of the church in this nation. And I am hearing this phrase in my heart that we, that we, that we are in the middle of a storm and a storm is coming. There is a storm that's here and a storm that's coming. And storm clouds. And I, as I was meditating on this, the Lord was just highlighting to me about two weeks ago, we live in Kansas, and we have tornadoes come through there all the time. You guys don't see tornadoes. You guys got your own things, but we got these tornadoes. The two tornadoes came through our area in Kansas City two weeks ago, and we're the kind of family. We got a little storm chaser in us, our family. We're just kind of out there, and everybody comes outside and undone. I mean, they're the most, you've probably seen them on YouTube, the most amazing clouds the most amazing gathering of clouds and the, the bringing together of clouds and how you can look 10 miles away and see funnels dropping. And we're outside and just actually enjoying the show. The kids are all running around. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we're just undone with the, the storm clouds that are gathering in, just enjoying it, thinking it's another storm that's coming through. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you have them here, but in Kansas, we have, in the midst of every uh, neighborhood, we have these big sirens that will begin just to revolve. It'll, it'll have one pole, and then it'll have a revolving siren that will begin to release a siren into the neighborhood that changes it from a nice storm into you need to move now into action to taking shelter because it's not a drill. There's a real storm that's near you. And so we're out there enjoying it, and all of a sudden, this most rude, annoying, god-awful sound begins to disrupt our cloud watching. I'm like, shut it up. Shut it up. And it's, and it's so loud, it deafens you. So annoying. I was a little perturbed, and we stayed out there probably a little too long than we should have. But we understood that it changes the mood in which we're watching these clouds and that there's real. And if you've ever seen a real tornado, I came through Joplin, Missouri a couple of years ago after a tornado went through and just wiped out just whole square blocks. I mean, a whole city ravaged by the storms of a tornado. It was, it was, I was, and I'm talking about, I saw it six months later and my mouth was dropped. And as I'm hearing those sirens, and I'm just thinking, now we've got to move into a protection mode. We've got to move into safety. We need to get safety now. And as I've been thinking about that, guys, I just want to tell you as honest as I can, I believe we're in a storm here in America. We are in a national storm. And not even, it's even bigger than the recent court ruling of, of the legalization of gay marriage across the nation. It's a lot bigger. That, that is a symptom of the thing, but we are in the middle of a storm. I believe that there's many walls of protection that are breaking around our nation. I mean, that we are seeing a tsunami of lawlessness and wickedness and evil that is like a tsunami that's coming upon us, and we're waking up out of a sleep and realizing that things are rapidly changing in our nation. We are in a storm. We're in a storm on several fronts, and we need to feel that. We need to understand. It's kind of hard to feel it. That's the spirit of prophecy is being able to discern where you're at when you're in the middle of it. Because hindsight's always 20-20. 
It's usually when you get outside of something and you look back on it, then you begin to realize what was happening. But the spirit of prophecy is being able to discern what you're in the middle of when you're in the middle of it. And being able to respond correctly in that hour. We are in a storm. We are in a storm in this nation. There's many factors, but at the end of it, the ultimate agent in the factor is God bringing a nation to Himself. It is God bringing a nation to Himself. There's the devil, there's demons, there's wicked men, there's all of the issues that we could walk through, but God is after bringing a church to Himself. We are in a storm. We are in a sexual storm in this nation. We are living in a pornified world. A pornified world. The explosion of the internet hitting the average first age use of 11 years old has begun to change everything as we know it. The pornification of a whole generation through computers, iPhones, iPads, everything has changed our very way of thinking, the way men look at women, the way women look at men, the way men look at men, the way women look at women, the way men look at children. We are seeing the explosion of sexual immorality that is birthed in this, in this false intimacy, this demonic worship movement. I'm here to tell you pornography is a worship movement. And it is the worship of men and women's bodies. And it's just, we are in the middle of a storm for the fighting for the souls of our kids, fighting for the souls of our grandkids. And we're saying, God, keep this generation pure that in the middle of this storm, God, God, I'm fighting tooth and nail. I'm fighting tooth and nail. And we're seeking heaven. We're in a different hour than we've ever lived in before. These iPhones have changed everything. When I was growing up, I'd go to the 7-Eleven, try to get a magazine, and the guy behind the thing would say, Corey Russell, you better get home before I whip your butt. I'm going to tell your dad. He says, you better get your butt home before I whip you. Or I'm going to tell your dad. We're in a different day. To where kids can do whatever they want to, whenever they want to, however they want to. We are in a different hour. And we know that, but we need to feel that. We are in, and it's after, we are in a family storm. We are in the middle of a family storm. Our families are being ravaged by the spirit of this age, by the spirit of immorality. In marriages and in homes. A great, the enemy is assaulting the ones that are seeking to go after God by dividing son from father and mother from daughter and seeking to divide and conquer and devour. That's why God's releasing the spirit of Elijah is to turn hearts back to one another. He's turning hearts back to one another, but we need to understand the schemes of the enemy to divide and conquer and to remove and to alienate and to isolate and to create storms in our own homes. We have men that have lost their voice due to many times immorality. We've lost the drive for life. Shame rules the day. And we have no more voice. We're not priests anymore. We are in a theological crisis because in an hour to where the church is needed the most, with clarity, there is so much confusion in the body of Christ. So much confusion. We don't know what to say because it's almost like we... We're getting a pop quiz, and we were just thinking the test was coming another day. And we're waking up, getting a pop quiz, and people are looking for answers. People are looking for clarity. What do we say? And many pastors and leaders are confused. I'm grateful for this house and the clarity that's coming out of this house. We want to exalt two realities. We want to be able to preach the grace, kindness, mercy, love of God 
while not abandoning the call to holiness, the call to repentance, the call to dying daily, the call to denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Christ. We don't have, you don't choose either or. And whenever you choose one truth of God at the expense of the others, that's when you get into doctrinal heresy. That's when there's storms that lead. That's when the cracks are in the foundation. And that's when we get into any troubles when you choose one truth at the expense of the others. He calls us to love, but it's love on God's terms. It's love on God's terms. It's not love as we define it in our sentimental you know, society. Love. Fully giving oneself. That well, I'm in this for love and I'm called to repentance. Hearing the whispers of you don't need to repent anymore. It's all been done. That is complete hogwash. And there's other, there's other phrases for that, but I won't use it on a pulpit. <laughs> Unbelievable. You don't need to repent. Beloved, it's in repentance that you find freedom. It's in repentance that you find joy. It's repentance that brings you into the community. It takes you out of isolation and it brings you in to the middle of a community of, I need God, I need you to pray. He goes, confess your sins one to another and pray for one, or, for one another. We are in a theological crisis to where we love to preach grace. I preach the grace and I'm going to be weeping in a billion years over the grace and kindness of God. But we're going to call a generation to holiness. We're going to call a generation that your bedroom and your bathroom is as dear to God as this church room. And that there are no gods only at church. No gods in your bathroom watching what you do there. He's watching what you watch on television. He's watching what your history looks like on your laptop and on your iPhone. He's engaged. He is the God who sees everything. The small things touch Him deeply. And I want to tell you, I want to call you radically in this hour out of that, out of those rooms and out of that, we just set it apart. Holiness. Holiness. It's not a cuss word. Holiness. He is holy. He tells us to be holy. He tells us to, to go to war over anything in our eyes and our ears and our mouth. I want to be holy as He's holy because it's called compatibility with God. I don't want to drink from broken cisterns. I don't want to drink from dead streams and live on the, on the very poor. Guys, I want to tell you, God is the author of real pleasure. He is the author of, that's what I was telling you. There's nothing more powerful than one of these words jump off these pages and touch your inner man. That's your inheritance. We're in the middle of it. And we need leaders and pastors. We need husbands and wives and fathers in our home to draw plumb lines in the home. Righteousness is a plumb line. Justice is a plumb line. We need plumb line droppers again that isn't cowering. Guys, we're seeing so many pastors and leaders that are shying away from the truths of the Word of God, the, the secure, stable truths of the Word of God. This is no hour for cowardice. We don't need to be cowards in this hour. We need to come out of the fear of man and out of the political spirit and say, this is what it means. Speaking to your children. You know that's what I'm talking about. We are in the middle of this storm. This is the hour that we find ourselves in. The last two decades, I believe we will look back on in two decades that the Lord tarries. And we will look back on these decades as the years to where in many ways the church was pushed into the closet. To where her voice was muted by the society. 
But I'm actually confident of that because I actually believe God's going to use even the agenda of wicked men to push the church into the closet so we can reconnect with Him who is in the closet. Because I believe that the church has been more interested on Facebook and social media and conversations and getting riled up and talking to everybody but God about it. Everybody's huffing and puffing and talking and and Facebooking and Twittering and Instagramming and getting into debates that steal all the hours that could be given to talking to God and connecting with Him again. Big deal about your conversations. We're just jabbering all the time about what's right and what's wrong. I mean, it, it hits us across the board. We'll stand in, and I understand it. We're taking a stand against the explosion of, of same-sex marriage, but while our own marriages are in shambles, while our own marriages are suffering, and we're going to stand strong for these issues while not attending to the greatest crisis center in our lives, and that's in our homes. We are in this storm, and this is an hour for us to come out of fear, come out of compromise, throw off the weights, and begin to engage in the battle. Begin to engage in the battle. That's why Psalm 91 is so pertinent to me in this hour. I want to say, I said all of these storms, but I have have never had more hope and more faith for a third great awakening in America. I have never had more faith for a third great awakening in America. I believe it's these kinds of hours. I, I believe we will look back on these decades as seeing the hour that we were pushed into the closet where men begin to openly call evil good and good evil. We are in those days to where a generation can look at something like a Planned Parenthood video and a whole generation say that's good because of the money it brings and it honors women. But no, no, that's the warping of the mind. You call evil good and good evil among a whole plethora of other issues. I have great faith and great hope for a third great awakening. That's what I'm giving my dying days is to laboring in Kansas City as well as awakening as many friends as I can to the same reality that we would look back to heaven, that we would get out of chat rooms and we would get into prayer rooms and that we would begin to ask God to send a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon America, that God would visit the Pacific Northwest that the Pacific Northwest would be seen with that ring of fire. Hallelujah. That you would be known for more than legalization of marijuana. But you would be known for the glory of God and for the fire of God. But it's going to require us to get off chat rooms and get into prayer rooms. There's no new methods. (laughs) You can't tweet your prayer in. You can't text your prayer in. You got to show up. You got to say, Here I am, God. You said that in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit on America. Pour out your spirit on the Pacific Northwest. Visit every church with fire. Release an awakening, God. Break off boredom and dullness and apathy and compromise. And let it begin with me, God. Release it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Send revival, God. Send an awakening, God. We need you desperately. We need you desperately. My eggs are not in the 2016 election. It's with the courtroom of heaven. You're like, I just can't wait for 2016. Guys, I'm here to tell you, you've got to get a bigger vision than that. 
We're in a storm. What's the call? What do we do in light of the storm? I tell you, it's the first verse of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells. Everybody say dwells. Shall abide under the shadow. Everybody say shadow. Think how close you have to be to someone to catch their shadow. I want to catch the shadow of Almighty God. I want to live under the protection and the the umbrella of His affections and love. It's been blowing me away as I'm just thinking on God. What is your call to the body of Christ? Because we, we know there's a storm. We say there's a storm. We feel there's a storm. But there's nothing more to do about it than talk to our friends that there's a storm. No, what he says, I, I, I think last year when I was with you guys, I preached out of Psalm 2. And a couple weeks ago, I was in California preaching on similar setting of the storm. And what blows me away in Psalm 2, that in the middle of nations raging, the Father breaking in, is you, we see a holy, intimate conversation between the Father and the Son. That in, and, and this is what I feel like God's telling me. Corey, I want you to get to the eye of the storm. I want you to get to the eye of the storm because if you've ever seen like a hurricane or a tornado, it's in the middle is where the place of, uh, that's the place of peace and that place of, of, of silence. And in the middle of the eye of the Psalm 2 storm is a holy conversation where the Father is declaring over the Son, you are my Son, ask of me. And I'm going to give the nations that are raging as your inheritance. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When the wicked came up against me to eat up my flesh. And then what does David say when he's being surrounded? One thing I desired of the Lord. This one thing I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold His beauty and in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me. In the secret place of His pavilion, He shall hide me. And not only hide you, He will set me high upon a rock. I call it the holy elevator. We need to get into that secret place because then He takes you up and you begin to view the storm through His vantage point. And you begin to engage with it through a different lens. It's what she was talking about earlier, about we've got to get up into that vantage point of heaven and address our circumstances from a different vantage point. Psalm 27. How about Psalm 31? He will hide you in the secret place of His presence from the plots of men and the strivings of tongues. Psalm 46, when nations are raging, craziness is breaking out. The last phrase of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God and that I will be exalted in the nations. Our call in the middle of these hours is to dial down the traffic. Not get involved in the storm. Get in, dial down. Connect with the secret place. Run to the strong tower. Remove everything that's hindering love and that's a weight and sapping strength in your life and get to the secret place. Psalm 91, dwelling in the secret place. I love Matthew 6. Jesus tells us, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Because he knew you'd try to get out. He says, I want you to lock it, bar it. I want you to put a whole bunch of stuff against that thing while you begin to go into detox. You ever seen a heroin addict come off heroin? Some of you might have been that. Huh? The intensity. Think about many of us have never gone into the secret place and looked at our Father who is in the secret place and began to talk to Him and begin to pray with Him. Because most of us are caught up on so much stimuli around Christianity. It's about talking to a person. 
It's about connection to a person. Christianity is about connection with Christ, communion with the Father. Holy connection and communion. It's about Him. This is our call is to dwell. John 15, the night before Jesus was crucified, they're about to go into a storm. Jesus says, guys, I'm leaving you. It's going to get rough. Everybody's going to hate you, but I'm going to come to you in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to come to you in the Holy Ghost. And what's Jesus' answer to a storm? He tells them, he says, abide in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I want you to dwell in me. I want you to live in me. I want you to draw on me as your number one source of security. As your number one source of stability. As your number one source of entertainment. As your number one source of joy. As your number one source of peace. I want to become that. And he says, if you will not abide in me, you will wither up. And you will not be useful. Jesus said it. Corey didn't say it. Jesus said it. Tender shepherd Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, you will wither and they will burn you up. I don't want to become more merciful than Jesus. Abide in him. So that's the call. Is how do we, here's the question of the hour. Just a couple more minutes. Stick with me. How do we dwell in the secret place of the Most High? Who is worthy to stand in that holy place? Who is able to fulfill and to dwell in that holy place? And I'm here to tell you the answer of the Old Testament is no one is. There's no man, woman, person that has ever been righteous enough to dwell in those everlasting burnings. But I'm here to tell you that right now when God could not find a man to stand in that gap, He became a man. And He took on our form, the perfect life you and I could never live, Jesus For 33 and a half years, tempted with every temptation that is common to us, he walked through that storm, depended on the Father, and he said no to every ploy, scheme, and arrow of the evil one, and he trusted his Father. And then he climbed up on that cross, and he said, Father, what's belonging to Corey? Pour it out on me. And Jesus absorbed the wrath of God over my life in himself. He took us into that grave and He raised us up the third day and He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He poured out the Holy Spirit. We've now become one spirit with Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Him right now, legally, in and through Christ, you are in the secret place of the Most High. You are in Him. We're not trying to get in it by some righteous works. You have been brought there. But in light of what He has done and where we've been brought, He now commands us and calls us to abide in Him and to dwell in Him and to draw on that reality and not to look to other things from where we draw our life from, but that we would cling. This is the phrase that's been on the inside of me. It's time to cling to Christ. It's time to cling to Christ. Cling to Him. Cling to Him. Let Him not be relegated to 45 minutes and 20 bucks once a week. May He become our source, our sustenance, our joy, our divine entertainment, our divine power, our divine wisdom, that He would become that strong tower. And that's cultivated, guys. I'm here to tell you, this is the phrase He's been speaking to me. Hear me. I don't want Him to be a crisis ATM. I want Him to be my perpetual dwelling. Many of us treat God like a crisis ATM. And he's so kind and humble, he keeps bailing us out, saying, I really would like more than to just keep bailing you out, and you only talk to me when you need a check. 
but he's so kind, he keeps bringing in the checks. But he's giving it to us with the thing of saying, I want more than just bailing you out. I do that with my own daughters. I refuse for them just to come and ask money from me without me getting a heart connect with them. I've tied giving them money to 10 to 15 minutes of conversation. I said, you got to talk to me. I want your eyes. I want your heart. We're not going to be strangers running around in the same house. You're not just, I want intimacy with you. I want your heart. He's calling you today. I want to call every one of you. Some of you clinging to Christ means salvation. You've never given your life to Jesus in this room. Some of you have never dwelt in that and you live from storm to storm and it's because Christ alone is not your salvation. Others of you have known it but because of the the weights and the cares of this life and because of all the sin and all the stuff and because of everything else, we, 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 we don't live where we want to. He's not a permanent dwelling. I want God to be, become my permanent dwelling. Don't you? Not just in theory. Many of us will stop it. Well, praise God, He's done it. I'm in the secret place. You are, but you're not. He's done it so that you can do it. He's established something so you can draw on it. So you can pull on it. So you can live in Him. Which means, what does it mean to dwell in the secret place of the Most High? It's the same thing as fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Everybody put your hand on your, on your belly this morning. Come on. Do you know that you are the dwelling place of God? I dwell in Him. He dwells in me. And I have intimacy with God. Beloved, I'm here to tell you right now, guys, there's a whole world, there's an invitation being given to you, and that's to come out of religious peripherals and come into holy conversation. Come into holy communion to declare war on that sin, to smash your iPhones, to break your weights, to break those cares of this life. Luke 21, Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves that your hearts aren't weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life. He says, for the day of the Lord will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Snares will get animals that aren't looking for it. I don't want to be caught up in a snare because I didn't have enough discernment to discern the season I'm living in and to get alive in my spirit and get awake in God. There's going to be snares that will catch many in the body of Christ who are unprepared. I want to be a son of light. I want to be a son of the day. I don't want to walk in darkness. I don't want to get drunk in the darkness. I want to get out of, out of uh, drunkenness and I want to get into holy sobriety. It's not meanness. It's a great joy, but a great soberness. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Talk to Him. Just talk to Him. Begin to digest the Word of God and get the Bible in your mouth. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do certain things, do it quickly. Quick obedience. Quick obedience. If he tells you to get rid of the iPhone, and you've heard that several times because you know what it's doing in your life, get to a flip phone as fast as possible. Get to a flip phone as fast as possible. It's not just a men issue anymore. There's as many women that are engaged and locked up in pornography as men. We gotta, we gotta begin. You've heard those whispers about things you need to do. Some of you might have a relationship at work that's been way too friendly. You need to begin to cut it off. 
quit engaging in that emotional affair. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Quick obedience. Quick obedience. Say, God, whatever you want. Because He says, you will abide in my love if you obey what I command you. That's how we live in the banks of communion with God, is we obey what He says. Obedience isn't a cuss word either. I want to call New Horizon today to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I want to call you to come out. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life and put your faith in Him, I don't care how long you've been at this church or any church, but you have never looked to Him as your only righteousness, as your only goodness, as your only place of right standing before the throne, saying, that bleeding man, and what he's receiving from me is my only right standing in the presence of God. I'm going to ask anybody in this room, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to get saved today, I want you to stand up right where you're at. Anybody in this room? You're like, well, I don't want them to see me. There's somebody more important than the person next to you. And I don't care if any eyes are I want all the eyes open because there's bigger eyes than the eyes in this room. There's the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus says, if you're ashamed to confess me before men, I will be ashamed to confess you before my Father. He goes, you want to be ashamed of me? I'll be ashamed of you. Anybody want to get saved today? Anybody want to cling to Christ as your only salvation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good. Well, then I'm speaking to another group this morning then. I'm speaking to a group in this room, and I want to tell you, you can feel it. I feel the Hebrews 12. He says, throw aside every sin and weight and everything that so easily entangles us and run. He goes, look to Jesus and run with endurance. Guys, what are the weights in your life? What's sapping strength? What's sapping strength in your life? What's sapping God longing and God hunger and God desire? What saps it? The television, take a bat to it, remove it. Smash an iPhone, smash an iPad, smash a computer. Jesus says, He says, there's no neutrality with this. Just lock in with me right here. Let's just stand right now. Pray for you. I'm just going to ask real quickly right now. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, he didn't say rub oil on it. He said, cut it out. There is, you, there is no neutral spirit and no, I'll get around to this and I got this. It's holy violence. I'm going to call you to abide in him. to give it back to Pastor Dwayne, but I want us to stay in this same flow right now because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to touch some people today, wants to begin to release some breakthrough in your life as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We cling to Christ. Let's stay standing. I want us to, uh, I want us to stay just in this mode and mood. I want Corey to stay on the platform, but I want us to give into. Uh, his ministry, obviously, there's expenses to get here and expenses in his ministry. We want to support that. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And uh, I'm, we're not going to prolong this. We're not twisting your arm. This is simply just our way of expressing love for him coming 
to be with us today and the Pursuit Northwest team for bringing him here. Uh, ushers, if you'd come and pass envelopes quickly, please. And um, so just whatever you've got uh, available to give, if you've got uh, just uh, a tug in your heart to be a part of blessing Corey. Uh, obviously, he didn't come for an offering. Obviously, he didn't come for money. This is not about uh, him coming to be blessed. This is him coming to bless us. But this is our, this is our rightful act of saying, Him that shares the word with us out of Galatians 6, we want to share all good things with Him who sow in the word of, with us. I, I, I don't know how you're taking all of this in today, but even the last scripture that he quoted, <laughs> oh my goodness, you know, when I was growing up, we used to, we used to repent of sin. Hello, somebody. We used to call sin, sin, and repent of sin. And I, I don't know, it's, it's part of what shaped my world. It's part of what's made me who I am today is that there's something so powerful about identifying sin in our lives. There's something so good about this. You know, shame and guilt are really powerful things. Did you know if you didn't have pain, you'd, you'd, you'd really hurt yourself pretty good? Right? If you didn't have pain, you might keep bumping your leg into something until it really got hurt bad. Yeah? Shame and guilt are emotional pain. That's what they are. Thank God for shame and guilt. It's God's leverage tool to get us to move away from something that's going to kill us. I'm, I'm so grateful that I feel pain when I pain God. I'm so grateful that I feel pain when I do something wrong. It's such a gift from God. It is such a gift from God. And it tells me, move away from that thing. That's going to destroy your life. That's something to put away. That's something to repent of. That's something to crucify. That's something to, to be done with. Are you with me this morning? Oh, this is such, this is such, such a critical hour that we as the church draw near to God that we put out of our lives the stuff, the junk, the crud that's causing shame. It causes spiritual pain. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you help us. We just invite you now. We invite you now. I'm going to pray over the offering, but I'm praying over our hearts. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. You do a good work in our hearts. Do a good work in our lives. 
We're so grateful for the word, the mantle, the anointing on Corey, the stirring of your Holy Spirit through him. So grateful, so grateful, so grateful. We want to be awakened. We want to be awakened. We want to be awakened. We want the reviving of holiness and righteousness, uprightness, purity. We, we so welcome you to work within us. We so welcome you to work in our hearts. We ask you to bless this man. Bless him as he travels across the nation. Bless him as he runs across this nation. He's a forerunner. He's a forerunner. He's a front runner. He's a voice of revival. He's a voice of awakening. He's a voice of holiness. He's a voice of prayer. Oh, God, we ask you to bless him. We ask you to use him to ignite fires, fires all across America. We're so grateful that he came today. We're so grateful that you used him today. We ask you to use him to ignite the hearts of the church all across America. We say, church, 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 be awakened. Be awakened. Be awakened. We say it over our own hearts. God, deliver us. Deliver us out of an age of an apathy, an age of apathy. Oh. We're glad to bless this man. We're glad to bless this man. We're glad to bless this man. We just say, let us be like Aaron and her who get around Moses, who strengthen his hands. Strengthen his hands. In Jesus' name. Jesus. I just want to pray right now. You feel that? Let's just all open up our hands. I, just want, I believe he just wants to release just a wave of consecration and fire. He wants to release a fresh fire in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I ask you to release a holy baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire upon New Horizon. I ask you for a baptism into the holiness of God, to the zeal of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God. I pray for the, the man with eyes like fire. Set your eyes of fire upon us, Jesus. We break agreement with all darkness. We break agreement with all alliances with darkness. We sever every cord and we cling to Christ. We dwell in you, Christ, as you dwell in us. Father, I ask you to release fire in the name of Jesus. Fire in the name of Jesus. Fire in the name of Jesus. Touch our eyes. Touch our ears. Touch our spirits. Release an awakening in New Horizon. Awakening in homes. An awakening in marriages. An awakening with our children, oh God. Save our children, Father. Break in, God. Release your fire, Lord. God, I ask you to stamp Psalm 91 upon every heart and every, and every person in this room, God. Just put your hands over your eyes. Let's give our eyes to Jesus. We ask you to forgive us for opening our eyes to all perversion and 
immorality in the spirit of this age. Just say it to him right now. Say, I repent. Come on, I repent. Let's try that again. Let's bring the music down. Say, I repent. And I ask you to forgive me. Come on, you got to own this. This is what it looks like. I ask you to forgive me, God, for opening my eyes to everything that grieves you. Forgive me, God. Have mercy on me, God. I ask you right now, come on, make it loud. I don't like this passive thing. Come on, say, say, I ask you right now, for the blood of Jesus to wash over me right now from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want my thoughts to be clean, my emotions to be clean, and my desires to be clean. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. And in the name of Jesus, I shut every door to darkness. I break agreement with darkness. And in the name of Jesus, I open up new doors. Doors of light. Doors of truth. Doors of revelation. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you to leave my mind. Leave my emotions. Leave my desires. You are not my master. And I'm not your servant. Jesus is my master. And I'm Jesus' servant. So I command you to go. Leave my family. Leave my home. Leave my life. Go. In the name of Jesus. Go. 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 Now lift your hands all over the room. Last prayer. Say, Father, fill my life with the spirit of revelation. In the knowledge of Jesus, open my eyes, open my ears, and awaken me, oh God. Open the heavens over my life in the name of Jesus. Let's just give the Lord a hand. Let's just worship the Lord. Come on.